if they were good at their job in terms of their communication, their leadership, you pretty much were going to have a good shift. No matter how hard it got, they were there for you. They knew how to connect. And then, you know, you'd come in the next day and it would be a different shift leader and it wouldn't go so well. And you can pretty much predict based upon their approach to their style of leadership, how they come across, how they engage with others. You could almost tell how it was going to go before you even started. And I realized, wow, these are the stakes of the game. We can run effective organizations really well with good leadership, good communication, you know, or poorly. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about an aspect of sales, which is a little more general, but so foundational to making sure that you have success whenever you're going to be having interactions in person, over the phone, or in any other format. This is really where the baseline of all of it starts. Communication. Communication is a word that I use to expand upon sales, especially if you have any kind of blocks or anxiety when it comes to selling. But what does it look like when you've ever been in these kinds of conversations where you feel that anxiety having a one-on-one interaction? This could be with a buyer who asks you a question that makes you kind of feel that anxiety. Maybe you're not prepared for it. If you're dealing with a boss, a supplier, an employee you want to hire, and you're feeling this anxiety rise within you, you feel frozen. You feel maybe your emotions being Rattled. What do you do then? Is it normal? Is it something that only some of us experience? And if we do experience that, is there anything we can do to get better at this? And so the guest that I have today is Alex Leung, who's actually here as a professor and chairperson at the Department of Communication at the College of Brockmount State, New York. And he is a communication coach and he's a content creator. And I found him personally by navigating YouTube, looking at fantastic content where he breaks down communications that happen, whether it's in a movie scene, within politicians speaking, whatever things that we know from the mass media, he actually breaks it down and helps us understand what are the tools, the tips, the tricks, as well as the formats that people use to be able to have better communication. And today, I really want us to be able to dive deeper into what happens when we have anxiety while communicating. Now, he wrote case studies in courageous communications as well, works with organizations, all leaders, supervisors, managers to really help them communicate better. And he's here to teach all of us to do so as well. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for being here. And you know, you've been teaching over 20 years communication, whether it was writing, speaking, and all of it is communication leadership. And I'd kind of want to start with a bit of your journey here. So for you to get started into being a kind of putting your flag in the ground on communication. So what's the passion and what's the story for that? Well, I was like many people, a different major when I was an undergrad. I was music first, then I switched to communication. I loved the public speaking aspect of it. And the fact that I could major in how to build relationships and become a better leader, I didn't even know about that area. And so I decided to go into consulting and also be a communication teacher. I just absolutely love being in the classroom, loved my experience as a college student and said, well, I want to be like them. And then I said, hey, let's teach this to companies. And there's a lot of people like me out there teaching communication and leadership skills. And... I learned from some of the best, you know, they mentored me and now I'm doing it on my own and have a you know, YouTube channel and wrote a book and having a lot of fun. 
I was going to say, you know, when it comes to the aspects of communication, it seems like that foundational skill to open so many doors, whether it's in your career, whether it's to grow your own business, whether it's even to find a relationship in a romantic sense, communication is that language between anything that we want to do. And so why do you feel is such an important skill to develop? And what do you miss out on if you don't take the time to develop it? Well, one of the biggest things I noticed was when I was still learning and I was an very young person working at a pizza place in school and other odd jobs. And I noticed that the leaders that I was working under, like let's say the shift supervisor, if they were good at their job in terms of their communication, their leadership, you pretty much were gonna have a good shift. No matter how hard it got, they were there for you. They knew how to connect. And then you know, you'd come in the next day and it would be a different shift leader and it wouldn't go so well. And you can pretty much predict based upon their approach to their style of leadership, how they come across, how they engage with others. You could almost tell how it was gonna go before you even started. And I realized, wow, this is these are the stakes of the game. This is what is hanging in the balance is we can run effective organizations really well with good leadership, good communication, you know, or poorly, you know, and I've had some good luck. I've had a lot of really great supervisors, but boy, those rough ones make you value the good ones even more. And I just was so excited to see that communication really does make a difference. It is oftentimes the driving force behind running an effective business and not. And I've noticed that as well, especially when it comes to even aspects of, you know, more specifically sales, we often have so many negative examples and inspirations when it comes to sales. And if you look at that, you'll be like, wow, okay, I never want to touch this. But I love this aspect of seeing these leaders that have been inspirations for you and, and really pushing for this aspect of communication being a skill that you develop, because I agree, once you open that up, everything else opens up for you as well. You can be more effective in the way you lead and you understand its power too. Like the entire mood of the organization can be affected by the way that the leader does communicate. So knowing that it's such an important skill, we know how powerful it can be. Where does this anxiety come from? So why is it that sometimes it becomes so difficult, uncomfortable and not natural maybe for us to be able to communicate, whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one basis and hey, let's not even open the door for when it comes to public speaking, but let's start with just on a one-on-one -on -one basis. What's that feeling? What's happening here? Well, some people have quite a bit of social anxiety, even when they're not at work, interacting with almost anybody, they get nervous, but that's a small percentage of the population. One of the problems with anxiety when we're communicating in public speaking is we realize that this is a higher stakes interaction than just a casual conversation with a friend. You know, some business might hang in the balance. You might gain or lose an account or a customer, a lifelong client. And I think it's the same way. The stakes are similar when you're having any conversations with clients, really, whether it's a small little group you're talking to, even one-on-one, -on -one, we realize that there are consequences that will go our way or not go our way. The outcomes depend a lot about how we come across, how we share our message. And just to circle back for a minute, you mentioned, you know, how is this a skill? And it really is a skill. This is learnable. Some people think, oh, I'm just not good at that. And they might try to delegate it or think, well, I'm not a natural, so I'm just going to do poorly at this and get through it as best I can. But it really is a learnable skill like anything else. And the more you work at it, the better you get. But that anxiety is there because we're about to do something important. We're about to share a message we care about, just like an athlete going out the difference between a practice and a game. 
they probably don't get so nervous at a practice, but when you're in a real game or a real business conversation, these things matter. It's like that first date, you know, you want to make a good impression. You want them to keep dating you. So it's a lot like that, I think, in any kind of business. It is something that we can prepare ahead of time. Like, can we detect when these moments of anxiety would come up? Because you talk about when the stakes are high. So is it a certain type of conversation? You know, is it like just only on the first conversation? What are some of the parameters we could maybe be more aware of so that when these types of conversations that might trigger that anxiety would actually show up? You're quite right. You're already onto it. So if it's someone new, that makes us a bit more nervous. If the stakes of the game are higher, that makes us nervous. If we're sharing a new message, we have a new product or we don't know enough about it yet, or it's a new area, so we're not sure how to explain all of the benefits. We're still learning. All of those unknowns and uncertainties, essentially it's uncertainty is the driving force. We don't know how this is going to go for a variety of those variables. And they are all, all of them, you know, sometimes, you know, they come together at once where you have a new message with a new client and wow, it's all feels like the perfect storm of anxiety. So, you know, and it's different for everybody. Some people also, I'll just mention a few other little things, perfectionism. Some of us have an internal, that has nothing to do with the situation. We just have that drive. We want to get it perfect. And that can really, it has almost this opposite effect where it can be really paralyzing and we can seize up because no one's perfect. You're never going to get it perfect. But when you put that weight on yourself, then it can feel much worse than if you just said, hey, we're just going to have a conversation and however it goes, it goes. I'm just doing my best. So sometimes it comes from an internal place rather than a situational variable. We might have that unnecessarily harsh self-talk and expectations on ourselves. Actually, speaking of that self-talk, I've often heard from the stage, like trainers talking about how the difference between being nervous and being excited, physiologically, they're the same, but your outcome projection or the small talk telling you if you're going to be successful or fail is what's going to do the difference between you being nervous. And I wanted to speak about that. Is this something that we should be like nurturing, working through? Because if you're somebody that every time, and especially the people that are in sales, like oftentimes we don't even want to reach out to new people because we're so paralyzed with what will happen. And then you have these outcomes, like they'll hate me, they'll reject me. So is this a rehearsal we should be working on? I talk about that all the time, Jason. I talk about the difference and similarities between anxiety and excitement. They're almost the same. And I actually think that in many cases, people assume too quickly that what they're feeling is anxiety but really what they're feeling is important. And I think it's most obvious when we're doing public speaking because people get very nervous often before they do that. But I love the athletic metaphor. So do pro athletes get nervous before a game? Yeah, they do. But is it nerves or is it excitement? Because the way that pro athletes talk to themselves, they talk about getting amped up and they're pumped and they're gonna go out there and they're gonna crush it because they don't try not to be nervous. Pro athletes don't try to, oh, I hope I don't get nervous before this game. They don't do that. They channel that excitement. Same thing with famous musicians like Bruce Springsteen. He realized this is exciting to get on stage. This isn't nerves. This is, I'm about to blow the roof off of this arena and that's exciting. That's why I'm feeling those butterflies. So I think you're right, you know, if we project a negative outcome, it can be anxiety, but really I think it's much more helpful. One of the ways to cope with it is to do some self-talk. At least half of what you're feeling is 
excitement, at least half. And you know that, here's the proof, afterward, you still sort of feel it. You're not nervous about the outcomes anymore because you've done your job, but you're still like, whoa, you know, your heart's still racing, your adrenaline is still going because you're still excited. The nerves are gone, but you still feel pumped. I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that's almost all anxiety and nerves rather than excitement. And I think that is one huge difference you can make. It's just the way you talk to yourself about it. Just say to yourself, this is exciting. I'm going to do a deal. You know, I'm going to meet some new people tonight and tell them about my business. That's exciting. It's not necessarily nerves. There's an aspect that also says that, you know, practice makes progress. I know that's the latest way of saying this phrase. And, you know, a lot of time I just talked about how the fear of rejection, I know for me, like the first times I had to pick up the call, uh, the phone and make calls when it comes to doing inside sales or having to jump on stage the first time, like I was one of the terrified people. And I just repeated and then I did it again. This self-talk, I remember I even told myself affirmations. I was in university. They would do group projects, right? I would just go to everybody and be like, hey, everyone, if we're doing a group project, we'll need to present. I'm a great presenter. You can put me on stage. So then I'd have everybody do the work and then I would just have to present it because nobody wanted to present. But I was terrified of public speaking too, but I was like, at least I don't need to do the project. You put yourself out there. I did. And I kind of realized how important, like I had a moment where I had such a crash and burn presentation. It was so embarrassing that I wanted to make a change. So I kind of had that motivation to do that. I know we've talked about how important it is, but for me, I really had to have like a crisis to start changing the importance I put on communication. Are there things that we could just reiterate so that we can take this seriously? And is it just practice or is there other things? So yeah, one of the things we can do to take it seriously is just commit to saying, I'm going to develop this like any skill. Maybe I'm a web programmer or an engineer or some kind of entrepreneur, small business owner. You have all kinds of economic and business skills, but part of your skill set, just commit to saying, I've got to get better at messaging. I've got to get better at connecting with my people, with my customers, and take communication as a skill that you can develop very seriously and work on it every day, just like you work on any other confidence. And part of that is preparation, like you mentioned, a big part. In fact, I just did a LinkedIn poll. I don't do a lot of those LinkedIn polls. You know, everybody's always polling everybody. But this was really a question I was curious about. I wasn't just looking for more engagement. I said, how many times do you practice a presentation before you share it? And 50% of the people that responded, we had over 300 responses. So this is non-scientific, but still 300 responses, you do start to see some trends. About 50% of the people either don't practice their messages at all before they stand up and speak, or they practice it from one to two times. So zero to two times practice, 50%. That is not gonna go very well for half of the people. And then when you get all the way up into the seven to 10 or more, it was, I think, 10%. Only 10% of the people practice their message 10 times or more. So to give you an idea of comparison, you know, people always say, Steve Jobs, oh my gosh, he was such a great presenter. They say he used to practice those new product demos and new product launches hundreds of times. And they weren't even that long. It wasn't like he was going to give a keynote address that lasted an hour and a half. Some of them were short, you know, several minutes where he demoed a new product hundreds of times. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he became governor of California, they say he practiced his intro governor speech, the first speech he gave at the inauguration, 60 times the entire speech, 60 times. And a lot of people give him a hard time about his accent. He's a great public speaker. 
So the people who communicate well, and whether it's a speech or whether it's your pitch, you know, whatever it is, they work on their mess, they prepare. There's really not as much to be nervous about because even if you feel the butterflies, it's like muscle memory. It's just in you. Your message is in you and you know how it's supposed to come across and you're going to do a really good job. I always say 95% of how a message goes is determined by how you prepare ahead of time. And so I'm a big believer in over-preparing. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that as well. And another industry that I often witness are so good at preparing, yet we only see their Netflix special are the comedians, right? Like how many times do they go to small clubs and they do the practice and then you see them flawless on that Netflix stage, right? And I think that is one that is definitely underappreciated. And I think there's always opportunities to practice if you're going to be doing these talks, whether it's if you're doing a one-to-one presentation. So if you're having a communication with your boss, you can use your spouse or a friend and just kind of role play it. I know in sales interactions, role playing and practicing different objections is such a powerful tool to be able to use as well. And so I think that I remember at Mind Valley, Vision, the CEO founder of Mind Valley, would do amazing presentations on the stage to be used on YouTube. But we, all the staff, would be like, oh my God, we've heard this so many times at the weekly report and at various meetings, because he would use those as places to practice the speeches right internally into the company before going out and doing it publicly. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can practice by yourself, but there's also little steps you can take in between the real thing and practicing by yourself. And aside from that, I was going to say, are there any other things like maybe faux pas or things that are big no-goes that we should be aware of if we're doing this communication or in the moment that we're feeling this anxiety, are there things that would actually trigger it to get worse that we should make sure not to do? Yeah. One of the things people will sometimes do is they will talk about how nervous they are out loud. It might get a little laugh or a chuckle like people will be, oh, don't worry, you're doing fine. They might smile and act supportive, but you've just undermined your own credibility because, and here is the huge thing that I think will put a lot of people at ease, you do not look anywhere near as anxious as you feel. So you might feel on the inside that you're like nine or 10. I do this all the time, survey speakers. How did you feel after? How did you feel? Nervous. From a scale of one to 10, they always say eight, nine, or 10. And then I ask people around, how do they look? They said about a two. So we assume one of the worst things you can do is assume that you look nervous just because you feel nervous and it's not the case at all so just knowing that people can't really tell that you're nervous you might feel like you're freaking out people can't tell so that's one less thing for you to be concerned about you might feel nervous but who cares tom brady the famous quarterback is nervous before a game but nobody can tell and it doesn't matter like i said bruce springsteen These are a lot of public speaking examples, but I think listeners can appreciate that it's very similar to if it's a real conversation in business, some of these one-on-one conversations can feel like this. But Johnny Carson, the Tonight Show host, was so freaked out every time he had to go on stage that he would throw up in a trash basket right before he came out. And then he would come out and he didn't look nervous at all. He just looked like he had it under control. So people can't tell very seldom can they tell you that you look anywhere near as nervous as you feel. That always calms me down. People can't tell. I was going to ask you, because I know you've been doing a lot of teaching and obviously we had a bit of shifts on the way that we work, given that a lot of us have moved to the digital space. So I wanted to know if there's any particular skill or insights that's more relevant if ever we're communicating through these digital platforms, whether that's Zoom calls, having these kinds of team meetings. Are there additional things or additional anxieties that can come up or additional things we should be looking out for? 
Well, you know, the normal stuff that people have probably experienced, like feeling nervous about the technology. Sometimes we might feel like, oh, I don't know how to use this, or am I looking in the right spot? Or, you know, those little anxieties can creep in as well. It's largely the same, but I think that it feels more artificial. And so when we're talking to a camera, it doesn't feel as personal. And so that's the biggest difference. It feels as if we are even more scrutinized because we're like, everybody can see and it's on camera and it's probably being recorded for all time. And I think that one of the ways you can do that and one of the ways that I do it before a big Zoom meeting, for example, is I will turn on Zoom in a private meeting. I set up my own and I practice in Zoom to nobody just getting comfortable interfacing with the technology. So I don't go into a high stakes meeting on Zoom cold. And I think that's one huge advantage that we have, just like you would normally practice a message with your note cards or in your head or in your kitchen or something, you know, before you got to an important meeting, you can practice right on Zoom, you can record it, you can see how it looks and sounds and make improvements. That's a huge advantage that we don't really have when we're practicing in our kitchen. I know one of the biggest pivotal moments for me when it came to being better at communicating was while going through business school, we had a public speaking class and this was what happened. They ended up filming our talks and then we had to critique our own talks. And the amount of improvements that happened by doing that was amazing. And now, as you mentioned, I've not thought of that, but we have so much content that we get to review from every one of those meetings that get recorded. But you know, if you're already feeling anxiety, maybe the last thing to do is to watch yourself and critique yourself. For me, I found it was the most useful thing. And I would say I was probably not, I remember, my God, for those who are watching this on YouTube, this is what I used to do every time I present, I would just like clap my hands every time I'd make a point to the point that it was so annoying, but I couldn't tell until I watched the video, but I wasn't too hard on myself. And maybe this is where I'd want to take it is that if I decide to go on zoom, record myself, review it, how do I prevent myself from just like feeling more anxiety as I critique myself because of that maybe overly negative mindset? Well, it will happen at first. I can guarantee that when you first see yourself on video, you're going to be like, oh, I need to get to the gym. And I can't believe how old I look compared to a few years ago. You really start to scrutinize yourself. So at first, it'll feel worse, not better. So that's why you want to do this days ahead of time, not five minutes ahead of time. If you practice the first time on camera, five minutes ahead of time, it's going to crush your self-confidence. So do it days ahead of time. Start getting comfortable with the technology. Start getting comfortable with how you look and sound. Like the sound of our voice can be a real shock. Just the actual sound, like I sound like that. I thought I sounded like a morning radio DJ, but instead I sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Those high singers, the Chipmunks. But so get used to it, get comfortable. And then once you get over the fact, okay, fine, you need to go to the gym, great. You know, fine, your hair's more gray than it should be. Then you can start looking at your message and getting down to what really matters in that conversation that's coming up. And then you can focus on honing that and improving the message. So give yourself more of a runway and that'll help you get it over the initial shock of how you look and how you sound. I forget about that shock that happened the first time I heard my voice and I would be annoyed at my voice the first times I heard it, but you just get used to it. And I think it's important to note that we all sound different 
from what we hear because when we speak, it's coming from a very unique source from inside us. Yet when we're listening to it, it's just like listening to anybody else. So I feel there's always a gap between those two, even if you have the fanciest microphone. <laughs> That's right. I was working with a client and I encouraged her to do this, to record herself days before. And she said to me, Alex, I don't think it's accurate. I don't think the camera and the microphone are accurate. She was so discouraged, she couldn't accept that. And so I looked at it and I said, well, I said, that's kind of what you look like and sound like. She was just like devastated for days, but she was doing it way ahead of time. So she recovered and did great. I remember for myself, 2016, 2015, I realized that I had to do a lot more work on video and on camera. And I created kind of a cadence of things I needed to create. It was actually called Online Marketing Weekly. It's an old show. If you Google on YouTube, you might find it. But it was something that I would do every week. I would just pull three articles in marketing that I thought were cool, and I would just speak about them. And I wasn't able to release the first seven episodes because they were so terrible. And I used that as a practice ground to just get me in a habit of being more on camera and dealing with the fact that it's a different medium and I wanted to practice. And it was so bad the first seven times I never released those episodes. I'm wondering if this is something you'd encourage. Are there certain mediums or places that you think could put us in a habit of communicating more so that we can refine this skill, whether it's digital or physical? Well, I think that's actually a really good technique that you did. You practiced a bunch of them, maybe knowing that they weren't all going to be keepers. I think there's a lot of room for patience. People need to try it and try it and realize they're not going to be rock stars the first time. Same thing. I've thrown out more videos than I've posted because, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I hadn't found my voice yet on that. And it takes a long time to start to feel comfortable, but there's really no way around it. There's no way to go from very little experience to excellent in a communication situation, whether it's on a camera or even in person, you have to go through those repetitions to get better. And there's an expression, I didn't create it up, but there's, you can't go around the mud. You have to go through the mud to get where you're going. And those first seven takes for you were the mud, right? And then you finally felt like on the eighth one, you took a deep breath and said, okay, you know what? This is okay. Yeah, this'll do it. So. I think you're exactly right. You just have to give yourself that margin of practice and realize they're not all going to be keepers. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all these ideas around communication. I think this is going to unblock a lot of people who might be feeling that anxiety. I just want to remind everybody, if you're listening to this and realizing that anxiety is not the only emotion, you know, what Alex shared today is that a lot of it is also excitement and that feeling stays with you after you finish the presentation. So I think we might be generalizing our feeling and amping up how much anxiety is there. We've also talked about how if you are feeling this anxiety, you don't need to communicate it to others as it's going to actually make your credibility go down. But really understand that most people don't see you as nervous as how you see yourself. So be careful with that self-judgment. Be careful with that self-talk. And of course, realizing that you're going to need to practice. This is a skill that you can develop just because you're an introvert or whatever other label that you might give yourself to limit your ability to communicate or your intentions to practice it, realize that it's a skill that everybody learns and everybody can get good at. And it is one of the most powerful things that you can use to advance yourself in your career, to build your business up, to make that sale, to connect with people. You can learn the skills of communication. And so I'm hoping that with the conversations we've had today, you've learned a few tricks and more importantly, You've changed your mindset and really opened yourself up to realizing that this is something you can always nurture. And there's so many tactics, skills, 
things that you can review that will allow you to improve your communication skills. And a great place to start is actually going to Alex's YouTube channel where he actually breaks down a bunch of conversations, gives you additional insights and a place that you can go really deep when it comes to being a better communicator. If you continuously watch this and apply the things that are being taught, you'll realize that you can be a great communicator and be able to access the world much more than without this important skill. Alex, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a wealth of information and thank you for all you do and share. Thanks, Jason. I had a great time. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.